We're honored this morning to have with us a number of visitors. Uh, many of you have come and visited with us, and for those of you who are visiting with us for the first time today, we're glad to have you with us. For those of you who perhaps are looking for a home congregation, we'd love for you to meet with our elders and to discuss with them how you might be able to help us as we try to serve God here in our community. Many of you know that the plans that I make for sermons many times are weeks, sometimes even months in advance. And I try to look through the topics which I address from time to time and see if there's something that I might be overlooking, something that I might not be preaching on as much as I ought and I will tell you that there's one topic that I've looked at that I have neglected, and that's the topic of sacrifice. Sacrifice is such an important part of our service to God. I want to begin by introduction by pointing out it's not a frequent topic of discussion, even among ourselves. One of the reasons why I am persuaded is that we are all more focused on things that are done for us than we are on our giving and doing for others. Our generation, if it will be marked by something, will be marked by our selfishness. And I hate to say that, but that's a sad reality of our life. When the Apostle Paul wrote the Philippians, he said to them in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, Not looking each of you to his own things, but to the things of others. Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant. Being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, yes, even the death on the cross. The truth is that you and I need to embrace, to have the mind of Christ that looks at and looks for the needs of other people. Sacrifice is an important theme in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's a lot of focus on what sacrifice involves. And I really want to ask this question of myself, as I ask each of us to ask it of our own selves, is what do you know about sacrifice in your own life? This morning we want to look at three very brief things we want to look at the meaning of sacrifice. We want to explore from the Bible what that really involves. Number two, we want to talk about the method of sacrifice. What was given then, what was given in the New Testament time, and what does God expect from you and I? And then number three, the motivation of sacrifice. This perhaps could have been the second point to talk about how you and I ought to be motivated, but I wanted to put it at the end because I want to end the lesson with the thought in your mind, in my mind, what pushes me, what motivates me, what encourages me to be more sacrificial as I serve the living God. 
Let's begin with the meaning. If you pick up your dictionary and you look up the word sacrifice, you're going to see two meanings put forth. The first one is a gift or an offering presented to God. Under the Old Testament, perhaps, is the clearest of those where a person would, for instance, take a bull or a lamb or some animal, slay it, and then present it to God on an altar as a gift, an offering. Also in the dictionary, you will find that the words surrender, forfeit, giving up of something, also is listed as one of the definitions of sacrifice. The other day I was watching a reality TV show and there was a young man thanking his parents for the great job that they had done in providing for him. This young man had really just come of age and understood what kind of things had been done for him. And he says, I remember my mother and my father sitting down at the meal and them not eating anything. <clears throat> he said, I thought they didn't eat because they, didn't, they weren't hungry. But he said the reason why they didn't eat is because... They sacrificed to see that we had plenty of food to eat. That gives you the understanding of what it means to give up, to sacrifice, to forfeit something. Well, in the Bible, both of these ideas are found. For instance, the word sacrifice is found 326 times in both the Old and the New Testament. The vast majority of those are the kind of sacrifices that one would give for sin. Let me begin by Leviticus chapter 4 verse 26. And given the instructions for the priest and how the people were to sacrifice, and he that is the high priest shall burn all its fat on the altar like the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin and it shall be forgiven him. The sacrifices were quite often associated with sin. When you come to the New Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews very clearly summarizes this by saying, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer, now listen carefully, both gifts and sacrifices for sin. The gifts were those thankful offerings that were presented to God to say thank you for being so good to me, so nice to me, providing for me. But then there were those sacrifices that were given because of sin. But the word also is reflected in a person giving up something. I'd like for you to think with me for just a few moments about what occurred in 2 Samuel chapter 24. David, near the end of his reign, began to say, I want to know how many people are serving in my army. He said, I want to have them numbered. It's not something you need to do, David. But David's heart was lifted up, and he numbered the children of Israel, those who were able to serve in his army, and God was incredibly displeased. He sent the prophet Gad to him to tell him, because of what you've done, I'm going to give you three options. You can have famine for seven years. You can flee before your enemies for three months. 
Or you can have three days of pestilence. David decided to choose the three days of pestilence. And from Dan to Beersheba, the north to the south, 75,000 people lost their lives. How would you feel if you realized you were responsible for 75,000 people dying? David was broken hearted. And David was told by Gad to go to the threshing floor of Aruna to build an offer and to make a sacrifice. David arrives at the threshing floor of Aruna and there ready to make his offering and he wants to buy the threshing floor. Aruna says, no, you can have it. Here, here are the oxen. Here's the floor. You can have it. Now listen to 2 Samuel 24, 24. Then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Did you hear what David said? I'm not going to offer God something that doesn't cost me something. I have to sacrifice. I have to give something myself. When you go to the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, the children of Israel had developed an attitude of me first, God second, or somewhere down the line. And God said, you say, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in a flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Did you hear what these people were bringing? The stolen. It didn't even belong to them. They were giving what belonged to someone else. Just a few moments ago, the contribution plate was passed. Would it have been appropriate for you to go steal someone else's money and put it in the collection plate? And think that did you any good? He talks about the lame and the sick. The animals that were not going to survive, that were not going to live, well, I'll give those to God. They're not worth anything to me. God said that does not honor me. True sacrifice involves our giving something of value to God. That's the meaning of sacrifice. Let me add one more thing. One should not think of sacrifice as merely a pacification of God's anger. Some people under the Old Testament, as well as some people in the New Testament times, had gotten this idea that if I commit a sin, I can pay for that sin by the offering of a sacrifice. And you know, by the time of the Middle Ages... 
there were people who had gotten to believe as a part of the Roman Catholic Church that you could then begin to sell these indulgences in advance. You pay for it. Every sin has a price. And so whatever that price is, I'll pay it, and then I'll commit that sin. Two weeks ago this evening, we talked about Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Paul explained that you don't do things like that. Listen to a couple of passages by Jesus in Matthew 9 and Matthew 12. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Chapter 12, verse 7. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Jesus said this is something we need to listen to. We need to learn. What does he mean? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Well, let me take you a little further. Mark 12, verse 33. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor than oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. You love God, you serve him, you please God. That's worth a whole lot more than going out and making these offerings. I think it was best put by Samuel to Saul. God had instructed Saul to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. But he brought back Agag, and he brought back the best of the flock, the oxen. And he was going to sacrifice them. And he protested to Samuel by saying, You see what we brought here? The people brought these to sacrifice. And here's the way Samuel responds. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. What is the principle of this is? Would God rather you sin and then offer a sacrifice for it? Or would God prefer you never to sin in the first place? I think you know the answer to that one. But you see, some people getting this idea, well, I sin, well, I can always go and, and, and pay something for that. That's a misunderstanding of what sacrifice really involves. Let me for a few moments talk to you about the method of sacrifice. When you get to the New Testament, there's a very plain teaching. And that plain teaching is simply this, that the blood of Jesus sacrificed on the cross fully, completely, 100% paid the penalty for our sins. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all. And some people reason like this, well, if Jesus paid it all, then there's nothing that I owe. So for the New Testament error, they would say, we have no sacrifice to give. Jesus took care of it all. Let me take you to the book of Hebrews and point that out. Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 1, going through verse 4, and then looking at verse 10. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. 
For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. He said, verses 1 through 4, those animal sacrifices were insufficient. Verse 10, though, but that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He didn't have to do it many times. He did it once. He didn't do it many, many, you know, uh, it was his sacrifice was completely sufficient. Now the Bible teaches that without any doubt, without any contradiction. But the Bible does teach that you and I do have a sacrifice to offer. In Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says we present our bodies completely, all of ourselves, to God. We're not going out and getting some animal and presenting that to God. We're taking ourselves and giving all of ourselves to God. Listen to 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. He said, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the temple of God. And the sacrifices we offer is that of ourselves. Can I see that in the Bible? Most certainly. When Paul wrote the book of 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9, he's trying to tell the Corinthians, I want you to look back and see what other people have done. Look what the Macedonians have done. And he says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They gave themselves to the Lord. Real Christians sacrifice themselves. They give themselves. Not of themselves. They give themselves. Our lives then reflect the honor and the praise of God. When the writer of the book of Hebrews comes to that last chapter and he's trying to summarize all the principles that are involved in our sacrifices, Christians today, he puts it like this, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share with such sacrifices God is well pleased when I see my brother, my sister in need and I serve them, I am sacrificing to God according to verse 16. When I offer praise, the fruit of my lips, then I'm offering a sacrifice to God.
Philippians, or excuse me, yeah, Philippians 4, verse 18, Paul says, I have all and abound. I am full and receive from Epaphroditus the things from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. People who know how to give themselves to others and to their needs. Now, for a few moments, I want to talk to you about the motivation of sacrifice. Many parents sacrifice for the needs and the wants of their children. You know, it's a part of our modern culture that this time of year, we give gifts to our family and to our friends. And I can assure you that I know that there are people, even among this number, who have taken what would have normally been used for themselves and given it for their children. Why do they do that? Because they love their children. They're willing to sacrifice their needs, their wishes, their desires provide for the wishes of others. Now I want you to think about that. Why were sacrifices offered under the Old Testament? Why did God have, command them to take those various animals and bring them and kill them? Something had to die for sin. Folks, I don't think we realize because today of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that those people realize when I commit a sin, I have to take this animal and I have to bring him to the temple and I have to kill that animal. His blood has to be shed. That blood has to be placed on that altar. Something has to die because I sin. Hebrews 9.22 says in the last part of that verse, without the shedding of blood there is no remission. That's hard, folks. God wanted to teach man the sinfulness of sin and the importance of sacrifice for it. Man had to be taught that sin required a sacrifice. But this kind of motivation also created an appreciation for the goodness and mercy of God. You know, I I open my Bible and I read and I study. One of the first things I come to is that of Cain and Abel. Offering a sacrifice after a bountiful season. Yes. You thank God for what he has provided you. Abel did that. Think about Noah. What's the first thing that Noah did after he got off of the ark? He built an altar. He made a sacrifice. When Abraham came into the promised land, what's the first thing he did? He built an altar. Offered a sacrifice to God. You see, as I step back and I look at the Old Testament, I I see that appreciation for God. Now, the New Testament focuses on the great sacrifice. We would not be complete if we did not think about what God gave. John 3.16, most of you can quote it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. I can't imagine that sacrifice. God bless my family with two sons. If I had to make a choice, either give myself or give my sons, that would be no choice. Can you imagine as a parent, those of you who are parents, sacrificing one of your children? I can't. But God so loved the world that he did that. It wasn't just the Father, though. John 10, verse 18, Jesus said, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. God told Jesus, you've got to die for the sins of man. And what did Jesus do? He said, I freely, willingly lay my life down. I'm willing to sacrifice myself. In John 15, verse 13, very precious words. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You imagine those brave soldiers on the battlefield. And they're in a very intense combat. And the enemy throws a grenade in the middle of the troops. And one man jumps on that grenade and absorbs the blast himself and dies. He sacrifices himself for his comrades, for his friends. That is the greatest act of sacrifice. Jesus did that. When you look at that early New Testament church, what did they learn? Right after you have the preaching of the gospel, this great sacrifice of Jesus, what did they do? Acts 2, verse 4, or 4, verse 32. Now the multitude who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own, but had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of those things, of the, of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed as anyone had need. The early church learned, you're in need, I can sacrifice something I've got to help you. That's the kind of picture that you see people motivated by love. What we give God says a lot about our love and respect for Him. I want to go back to Malachi chapter 1. Look at verses 6 through 10. And God said, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the Father, where is my honor? If I am the Master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you, priest who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? 
You offer defiled food on my altar. But you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. Now, folks, I want to bring out the, the positive and the negative side. You love God, you give. You respect God. You sacrifice. But if you give God your scraps, if you give God what you don't want, if you give God what you don't need, you're not honoring Him. You're not sacrificing for Him. The song, number 268 in our songbooks, is titled, I Gave My Life for Thee. You know what the next phrase of that says? What hast thou given for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? Occasionally, we need to be reminded of what others have sacrificed for us. Most importantly, what Jesus has sacrificed for us. And how we ought to sacrifice for Him and for one another. Are you willing to sacrifice yourself this morning to follow the Lord? You know, God's not asking you to give something. You may think that that's what's being preached this morning. If you have, you've missed it. God's not asking you to give something. God is asking you to give yourself. If you give yourself, then you don't have to worry about the something. That will come from a loving heart. And we're going to sing this song of encouragement. And it's to encourage you to come to the Lord. Give your life to Him. You believe He's the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess that before this audience and then be baptized. That puts you into the Lord. If you're one of God's children, you look at your life and you say, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. It's time for me to make a change. It's time for me to be more faithful, more dedicated, to give what time I've got left on this earth to serve God. If you need to respond, please come as we stand and sing together.